Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Well, it seems that in our day and age, there is so much of the very foundation of the Christian faith that is under attack. One sad reason for this is the fact that more and more of our children and young people are growing up in a world without ever being taught the principles and truths of the Word of God. Many are not even sure who Christ is, let alone the Bible's teaching about salvation and Christian living. In today's broadcast, evangelist Marvin Dirksen will take us back to the foundation of our Christian faith. He's chosen three simple truths to illustrate the basics of God's so great salvation. First of all, we'll consider the words of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, it is written. How important to place our faith and confidence in the sure word of God. Secondly, again the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, and this time from the cross, it is finished. Now those are wonderful words, but what exactly do they mean for us? And lastly, again from the Savior himself, it is I. Who could want more than the presence and power of Christ in our lives here and in eternity to come? Now, without adding more, let's listen to what the words from the Lord Jesus Christ himself will tell us about the foundation truths of God. Luke chapter 4 and verse number 1. And it says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. The Gospel of John, chapter 19. For a second reading, we'll read at verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. One final reading of the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, and verse 47. This takes us to a very interesting account, the crossing of the lake. Mark 6 and verse 47, And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea and he alone in the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them, and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. 
And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. We have read three very, very simple phrases, and yet three momentous statements in the scripture. You don't have to have university education to understand the, the meaning of these verses. But I can tell you this very simply, that your response to the truth of these statements will determine will you be forever. We have read of the Savior's very terse response to the, to the enemy. When Satan suggested that he was hungry, and he was, 40 days without any food. We can hardly go 40 minutes at times. 40 days with no food. And as the enemy came, he said, if you're really who you say you are, the Son of God, command these stones, make them bread. And the Lord Jesus turned to him and he said, it is written, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It is written. Let me ask you, why, why is the Bible so important? Is it important in your life? Is it the foundation of faith? with regard to your soul and its salvation? Or is this book just a, kind of a, a suggested reading, just an optional volume, just something that there's some truth in it, but really I have other volumes I go by? This simple statement, it is written, is the very foundation of faith. Suppose, and I'm so thankful that this is not the case, but suppose, as the Bible says, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. Now, that event took place, but it took place 2,000 years ago, and none of us were around. But he came, and he was born of a virgin, and he grew up in Nazareth, and he ultimately went to the cross. He suffered for sins. He, he shed precious blood. He cried, it is finished. He bowed his head. He was buried in a, in a new tomb. The third day or the first day of the week, he arose from the dead. Forty days later, he went back to heaven, and all of that would have been done. But God would never tell us about it. We would have no understanding of our need. We'd have no knowledge of what God has done for us. This book is absolutely mandatory. It's absolutely important that we hold and read and understand God's word. Because this is a word of revelation. This tells us what God is saying to us. This tells us how God sees us. This tells us what God has done for us. This tells us about our future. And tonight, your response to this book will reveal your attitude toward God. You're casual about this book, you'll be casual about God. You take this book seriously, and it will change your life. It will change your eternity. But this simple statement is the very foundation of faith, where the Lord Jesus said, it is written. Our only text is the word of God. In fact, it says in this wonderful volume, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If this book is not true, then we are wasting your time. If this book is not true, then, then we really have no message to tell you. If this book is not true, then really we have no definite words of certainty. The very fact that this is an accurate, inerrant book that has come from the very hand of God allows us not only to preach with assurance, but it allows us to have a foundation for time and eternity. Peter Ramsey, who's known to many of the believers here, is actually living, has lived for a number of years in Summerside, Prince Edward Island. Anyone that's been to the Garden of the Gulf, that lovely little island, 
will realize that a few years back they put that Confederation bridge into place. Quite an amazing engineering project. Cost several billion dollars. Whole quarter miles of highway were floated out and hung on these pillars. It was quite a, quite a feat. As you know, Peter was able to watch the progress of that bridge being built. Now it was spanning two sides of, of the Gulf. Prince Edward Island, New Brunswick. And as he watched, he, he could see the, the pillars being put in. It took a, quite a long time. And then he watched these, these barges coming along, and they would hold these large spans of concrete and place them very carefully on these pillars. And then he, would, he said, I was, I was watching, and, and there were tractor trailers, dump trucks, and huge loads. They were, they were moving along the, the completed section of that bridge. And he says, I heard about the report that the bridge had been completed. And he said, they actually gave an invitation for anybody and everybody that wanted to could come to the bridge and walk across it to the other side. Now suppose, he said, I went to that bridge and I, I stood there wondering, will the bridge hold me up? What happens did he have? Well, for months he had watched tractor trailers and dump trucks and, and all kinds of power equipment moving, tons and tons and tons, moving across that concrete span. But he said, you know, it was only when I put my weight on that bridge and entrusted myself to that structure that I was able to understand it really. He was able to hold me, and he says, I walked to the other side. You know, you can debate about this book, and you can kind of give tacit acceptance of it, but until you put your entire weight on the truth of this book, you're not going to get to the other side. You can debate it. You can defend it. You can discuss it. You can study it. You can do all of that. But God desires that you might accept what he says to be true because it is true. Someone has said, and I wrote it down, people do not reject the Bible and do not reject the gospel because of a lack of evidence. They reject it because of their own sin and their own disobedience. Is that not true tonight? Anyone that has read this book will understand this book is unique. This book speaks to me. This book is accurate. And as we come face to face with what God says, we have to do something with it. We either accept it and believe it and bow to it. Or we say, well, it might be true, but it's not for me and I am not going to accept it. People do not reject the Bible and do not reject the gospel because of a lack of evidence. They reject it because of their own sin and their own lifestyle and their own disobedience. You know, as we look at this book, and I don't have time to tell you all of its marvel and its, its wonder, this volume is a book that has searching power, searching value. There were individuals that heard the, the words of the Lord Jesus and their very being was, was shaken. There was a man that came in one night to, to actually talk with him. And the Lord Jesus looked at this man and he said, Nicodemus, don't be amazed. Unless a person is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I can see that man almost shaking his head. I, I've never heard that before. We don't speak about that in our circles, he could say. And yet the Lord Jesus said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Unless you're born again, you are not going to be in heaven. And I can recall very personally when I saw that on a Bible text, it shook me because I realized though I was a church member, I had never been born again. It sought me out. It exposed me. And I became aware of my tremendous need of being born again. Tonight, friend, this is what God says. This is a Bible truth. This is not just something that a group of us believe. This is exactly what God says. 
And unless a person is born again, they are not going to enter and see the kingdom of God. This book tells us neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. God says we must be saved. And if you are sitting in this meeting tonight and you have to acknowledge, I am not saved, understand that this book is telling you the truth. You must be saved. Thank God you can be saved. Not only does it have searching truth, but there is divine authority to it. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away. Now we kind of count on the fact that we're pretty solid. We're going to be here a long time. But this book tells us heaven and earth is going to pass away. But my word will never pass away. And when all the volumes of this world are burned up, and when every library is closed its doors, this wondrous book will stand. That's exactly what that verse means. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my word will never pass away. Voltaire died in 1778. That was a few years back. But 25 years before his death, 1753, he made a statement. He said, you know, in a 100 years from now, the Bible will be a forgotten book. He said, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's false. It's not true. It'll be a forgotten book in a 100 years. You know something? 25 years after his death, the very printing presses that Voltaire had used to print his atheistic material, the very printing presses he owned at one time were being used to print the Bible. Is the Bible a forgotten book tonight? No, no. And this wondrous book is the very foundation of faith. It has absolute divine authority, but tonight it has transforming power. Spoke to a good friend of mine today. I said, how are you doing, Bob? He said, well, I got some bad news. He said, the chemo that I've been taking, it's, it's finished now. And he said, it's not doing any good to the cancer. He said, uh, they, they give me just a couple of months. But you know what we began to talk about? Began to talk about the day he was saved. Began to talk about the word of God. Began to tell me about things that, well, we grew up together. And he was looking forward to an eternity with Christ. You see, this book is not just theory. This book changes lives. This book gives absolute assurance. You can rest on this book. You can stand on this book. You can live with this book. You can die with this book because this is God's unchanging word. Thank God he's spoken to us. Our salvation does not depend on our feelings. If that was the case, then we'd be all over the map, saved one day and lost the next. He that hears my word, the Lord Jesus Christ could say, and believeth him that sent me, has, has, has everlasting life, shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life. My aren't those golden words? Words you can, you can rest on. He that hears my word, believes him that sent me, has everlasting life, and shall not come into judgment, is passed from death to life. Wonder what's your response been to the Word of God? Because your response to what He says reveals your attitude toward God. It is written. But we have read of, of another wonderful statement. In fact, in the original, it's only one word, and it's been called the single greatest word ever uttered. We have to go to Calvary for that. And when we think of the unchanging word, when it says it is written, we come to an unsurpassed work when upon that cross 
having suffered for sins, having exhausted the wrath of God, having accepted all that we should have experienced for eternity. The end of his period of suffering, the Lord Jesus cried with a a mighty cry, It is finished. What does that mean? It's telling us of an unsurpassed work. And tonight, that is the foundation for forgiveness. That is the very foundation of redemption. That tells us of a work that Christ has done on behalf of sinners. And as proof of the acceptance of that work, he cried, it is finished. You know, when I read that statement, I made aware I will never, and no one else will ever be able to say to the Lord Jesus, you did not do enough. No one will ever be able to say that because he cried, it is finished. And you know what that means? It means it's paid in full. The work is absolutely completed. Nothing more to be added. It is finished. You will never be able to say, you didn't do enough to save me. You see what happened at the cross? was sufficient to settle the great issue of our sin. And there upon that cross, as he suffered for sin, he was able to once again bring God and man back together again. He's the mediator. He's the go-between. He's the one that is the link. Friend, if you want to go to heaven, you'll have to trust that work. You'll have to accept what he has done. Upon that cross, he paid the great price for our redemption. You say, what does that mean? It simply means that he paid for the release of our bondage and our slavery. He cut the chains of sin. and He's become our our redeemer. Upon that cross, he affected the great work of salvation. He has rescued lost sinners. And that work tonight stands with eternal value. It is finished. Because of that, friend, you could just accept what he has done and thank the giver. Every person going to heaven has come to understand and appreciate that the work of the cross was for them. Yes, we caused the sufferings of the Lord Jesus on the cross, but there upon Calvary's cross, he suffered for us in our place. And there in dark Calvary, he exhausted the wrath of God. It is finished. A woman was talking to a Christian one day. She said, how is it that... You seem to have such a settled peace. And she said, I, I'm, I'm always wondering, have I done enough? She said, I'm a church member. I try to live respectably. I do try to be kind to my neighbors. And I do have a respect for the word of God. But she said, I, I'm just not certain. I really don't know if I'm saved or not. You know, that Christian lady, she said, uh, dear friend, there's just a little difference between you and me. It's found in two words. She said, you are still trying to Do something for salvation. She said, I have understood and appreciated the fact that the work has been done, finished. It is finished. You know, we have read of another wonderful statement. There's a storm that's howling across that lake. Disciples are trying to get across. They're rowing and they're rowing and they're rowing. The wind's against them. They're they're really going nowhere. It's a dark night. The Lord Jesus has told him to go to the other side. And he'd gone up in the mountainside to pray. And in the darkest part of that night, they see someone. And they can hardly believe their eyes. They think it's a ghost. They see something, someone walking across the tops of the waves. They say, are we seeing things? What's going on? Terror and fear gripped them. They cried out. 
And from the darkness, from the very lips of that wondrous person walking upon the tops of the waves, came the voice, be of good cheer, be not afraid, it is I. You know, your response to the Lord Jesus, your response to him, will make the difference for time and for all eternity. We're living in a dark world, aren't we? And Christians go through dark times. Those who have never received Christ will go through dark times. But in the midst of the darkness, there is a Savior who comes alongside of us. And he's saying to every single individual here tonight, it is I, be not afraid. And these men, with gladness in their heart, they received him into their boat. You know, when I understood that the Lord Jesus had an interest in me, he actually come in the darkness to the difficulty of the journey and to the burden of sin and to the darkness of eternity ahead. He came to where I was and he made me aware that he had an interest in me and he could say, it is I, be not afraid. I wonder, would you receive him tonight as your savior? Because salvation is not found in joining a church or turning over a new leaf or trying to live a different lifestyle. That comes with salvation. That comes after a person comes to know Christ. But the Bible says, he that believeth on the Son has everlasting life. And the Bible says, he that has the Son has life. And here is one, an unequal person, coming alongside, and he's saying, it is I. What does he mean to you tonight? Once he was a stranger to me. Once I had no interest in him. Sad to say I say that with a a sense of shame. But he had an interest in me. Those who are saved can say, the Son of God loved me. And gave himself for me. I wonder, could you put your name in that equation? Could you understand and appreciate that he came not just for a certain group of people, but he came to seek and to save sinners? And right there is a person. He's not in the two. He's seated upon a throne in heaven, soon to return. One of these days he's coming. The night is getting darker, but one of these days he is going to come. And for those who are saved, he's going to say, it is I, be not afraid, be of good cheer, I have returned. That'd be a great day if it came tonight. But some of you don't know him yet. Some of you have never received him. Some of you have never rested on what he has done. Some of you have never yet believed this book. You're still on the outside of it all. I trust tonight that you will understand that God is speaking to you. Christ has finished a work for sinners. At the night, you could receive him as your personal Savior. Your response to those foundation truths will determine where you'll be for all eternity. It is written. It is finished. It is I. The Word of God is sufficient to silence the attack of Satan himself. It is written. It was the weapon of choice that the Savior used when he was faced with the lies of the enemy. And then there is the Christ of the cross, the theme of the Bible. And what wonderful words to a perishing world. It is finished. The work of salvation has been completed by the Son of God himself. Accepting this great truth, we have forgiveness of sins and assurance of life in heaven with Christ, who says to all who believe in him, It is I, be not afraid. Yes, in life's storms and difficulties, 
He has promised to be with us and by us and for us. What a wonderful Savior we have. Trust Him for your salvation, even today. And rest upon the great foundation of the Word of God. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken and a very warm welcome awaits you. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul.